When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in to the Tighten Up Podcast on the A Partner Austin Huff. You can find me on Twitter at Jack A Gentry. He's on Twitter at Austin Huff. You should be following the Tighten Up Podcast on Twitter at Tighten Up Pod. You can find us on Instagram at Tighten Up Podcast. And as always, we're under the A to Z Sports umbrella. So go make sure you're following A to Z Sports on every social media platform. This is Sode number 164, the Derrick Henry having the longest reception of 2022 on the Titans, and that reception being 69 yards of Sodes. Nice. nice. Uh, that one comes to us via Samuel Millett. Uh, Samuel X. Millett. I hope I'm saying, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Millett. Uh, Samuel Millett, shout out to him. A great Sode title. Look, anything that, anything that gets... Anything where you can mix Derrick Henry and a 69 joke in one, you know, I like that is, is there anything more that placates to me, Jack, on the internet that you can think of? No, those two things are kind of like your wheelhouse. Um, it's your peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Yeah. Maybe if like the two, if like, if you did a, if you had Derrick Henry tell a 69 joke inside of a Waffle House, I think I might internally combust with Ryan Tannehill cooking up your hash browns in the back i look i'm not a ryan Tannehill stan i oh, just come on that is a lie no Everyone i'm i this is laughing right now i am a ryan Tannehill apologist i do feel like you know he's, i think he's one of those guys where people aren't going to realize how great he was for this franchise until 10 years down the road okay he's underappreciated i'll give you that yeah Okay. All right. All right. Good. Glad we can agree on something, especially Tannehill related, uh, especially from a guy who wants to literally push him in front of a train, but not before Ryan. Jared Goff goes. Jared first. Goff. Yeah. Uh, okay. We've got a loaded show, show today. Uh, Uncle Mike Herndon is going to join us on draft week. The fact that we were able to land Mike Herndon on draft week. I don't know if you've been following paulkarski.com, but my man has been freaking churning out piece after piece after piece incredibly busy, took the time for us, uh, uh, you know, between his writing up millions of articles about the draft and pushing millions of drugs on the streets. He found the time to join us and we appreciate that from him. And, but I will say this, I'm going to tease the Mike Herndon interview like this. The first time Mike Herndon has uttered words out of his mouth that I did not agree with. Mike Herndon is usually the, the barometer for how we gauge our stances on takes, you know, whenever something happens with the Titans and we develop a take, Jack and I, we always go to Mike Herndon's Twitter feed to see if like, if our take is too far beyond the norm. And most of the time it isn't. And if it is like, sometimes he kind of grounds us with his takes because we always feel like he has the most rude takes. Not today. Today. I think he's, I think he's lost his mind. I think he has lost his mind. And he finally said something that I don't agree with. You will hear that all coming up with the Mike Herndon interview. But uh, and then, of course, we're going to just talk draft stuff. It is draft week. It finally it is here. You all you losers with your mock drafts, you better get them in quick because there's not much time. You only got a couple of days down to hours almost. 
And yeah, yeah. So and so we got so much to get to. Jack, before we do, let's get a word from our friends at Relax the Back. Yes, Relax the Back sets out every single day to help you live better, feel better, and work better. Guys, Mother's Day is right around the corner, May 14th. And Relax the Back has plenty of perfect items for you guys to give as a gift. They've got um, a Rove massage chair on sale. They've got the chirp wheel, which is only $99. You roll on, you put that under your back and you roll on it. It'll iron everything out. They've got the Cuzzy neck massager. If you've got a tight neck, if you wake up with a little stiff, if you need some, you know, that that sleep machine, that noise machine to, to get some peaceful sleep, everyone needs those eight hours. Well, they've got a sleep sound therapy machine with Bluetooth, only $40 on sale for Mother's Day. So if you've got a mom who struggles to fall asleep or is, is having trouble with her back or neck, make Relax the Back the place to shop for Mother's Day. Go check them out. They're located at 2020 Glen Echo Road in Nashville, Tennessee. It's right across the road from the Green Hills Regal Movie Theater. If you're unable to get there in person, check out their selection online at stores.relaxtheback.com slash Nashville and start feeling better today. When you go in, make sure to tell them that A to Z Sports sent you. I'll relax your mom's back. Okay, come on. And with all that said, let's talk Titan. I hear the train a coming. It's rolling around the bend. And I ain't seen the sunshine since I don't know when. What is up, Flameheads? Welcome into the Titan Up Podcast. Today is April 26, 2023. And I am on cloud nine because it's only a few more hours left of mock draft season. You nerds, you you adult LARPers out there that just love to freaking waste your time with the fortune cookies that are mock drafts. You better get as many of them in as you can right now. Get them in because you're only... You're going to have to wait about 12 hours until after the draft starts to start your way too early 2024 mock draft. Gosh, I freaking I'm so ready for this season to be over. And I'm really just ready to figure out who the Titans draft. And we're going to get into a lot of this with Mike Herndon. But Jack, I feel like the Titans have done so well with their poker face. They have I they have not tipped their hand at all as to what they're doing, where they're looking, what they're going. If if you told me that the Titans have no idea what they're doing, I'd be like, yeah, that kind of makes sense with the tips that they've given us through free agency and through this offseason. I just don't know what to make of where the hell this team is going. I don't think Miss Cleo. If you called her 1-900 number, she could tell you, rest in peace. I, I know she died like years ago, but uh, if Miss Cleo could even figure out where the Titans are going on Thursday night. Yeah, it, it, it's really tough to kind of keep your eye on the ball here because right when you want to get into, oh, who are they going to draft? They're going to trade up. Then it's like, oh, well, um, is Derek Henry on the table? What about Ryan Tannehill? Even Kevin Byard? So there's so much going on around this thing. I thought Rand Carthon said it best in his pre-draft uh, press conference, that he doesn't like doing business in public. That's kind of been the theme for the Titans since Mike Vrabel alive, or arrived. 
So um, I'm not surprised to see that trend kind of moving forward. Look, it's his first draft. It's a new regime. We already have no trends to go off of. There, there's yeah, right. There's no tendencies we've seen uh, with Rand Carthon. This is his first time as a general manager, so it's truly a mystery. And I think you know he's done well to keep it a mystery, at least on the surface and to us outsiders. Yeah, yeah, it is. I, I'm, I'm like, could could they trade up for a quarterback? Maybe. Will they play the safe bet and fill one of their utmost biggest positions of need with offensive line or wide receiver? Maybe. Will they get like an, a random edge rusher and just get the best player available? Maybe. I don't know. I think I think Caroline Fenton on last week's so said it best where we asked her, what are the Titans going to do at a number 11? She goes, I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think anyone knows. And other than, you know, those idiot mock drafters on the internet, uh, then I feel <laughs> like it is... It is literally, we're just, it's anyone's guess, and we just have to wait and see. I could very well see the all them, the Titans use up all 10 minutes of their draft, but I'm going to go on a limb here, and I'm going to say the Titans are not going to make a blockbuster trade in the, in the first round on Thursday night like they did last year. I'm going really? to, yeah. What I would love, and I wanted to bring this up to you in the, before we started rolling, but I, I also wanted to save it for right now. Jack, how awesome would it be? And I know I'm just going hypotheticals here, but that's pretty much all sports talk and uh, radio and podcasting is. But how awesome would it be if the Tennessee Titans were the ones to pull off an A.J. Brown trade? Like what? Like if they were the ones to send their number 11 pick to a team and maybe one other lower round draft pick for a superstar wideout. What if they did that? Like a DeAndre Hopkins, perhaps? Is it? Or, well, hopefully not someone. Someone a little younger, you know, maybe like someone. Uh, it would be but awesome. like, but you like, didn't would have that to not, open would, that wound back up? Would that not be the Al Pacino? Just when I thought I was out, they pull me right back in. Right? Yeah. I I, I just think that. Maybe the rest of the league is a little more hesitant hesitant to do that after they saw what happened to the Titans and they saw what A.J. Brown did in Philadelphia. So now maybe when you have these super young generational talents out wide, teams are going to be a little more conservative um, in their in their approaches to even just looking for for potential trade partners. I, like last year was the year to do it. Debo Samuel, DK Metcalf, Terry McLaurin. AJ Brown all were in need of new deals. They yeah. all got them with their team, except for AJ Brown. Titans made a huge mistake, looked like fools, got literally whipped in Philadelphia by AJ. I I, I don't know that we'll see that happen again for uh, a couple of years, at least on draft night. The Titans could draft a punter in the first round this year, and it would still not be as bad of a first round as last year. You know what? Is this the year the Titans draft a kicker? Randy Bullock's no, gone. No offense to Traylon Burks, of course. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know, Jack. This is... I, I'm never against drafting kickers. Frankly, I'm surprised more teams don't do it more often because it is literally... It is your kicker, nine times out of ten, becomes the leading scorer on your team. 
So why you would not want someone who gets points? It's like drafting a good free throw shooter in the NBA. You know, someone that you can that gets points that can literally make or break games, or in the Titans' case, make or break seasons. Flashback to you know a number of one score games this past year, but also the divisional round. Evan McPherson just a year ago. Yeah. So I mean, like, all I'm saying is, yeah, I I don't I don't I don't think why. I think that should be an option for the Titans. We said it off top. Um, you know, we don't really know the direction that the Titans are going to go in. But with Mike Vrabel, with a new GM, I mean, Vrabel's worked so hard to build this winning DNA inside that building that starting over at quarterback, sure, it's it's going to happen at some point. But don't you just think that Vrabel might be a little too competitive, not really willing to lay down and waste a season? Like everyone, everyone in their mothers, because Mother's Day is coming up, um, believes that this is going to be a lost year for the Titans. But Vrabel probably is one of the few people that doesn't necessarily believe that. He's a guy who can figure out ways to win these close games, except for last season. And, you know, maybe surprise some people in the AFC South. Like, just because the Jaguars won it this past season, I don't necessarily believe that to be, you know, a changing of tides moment. I don't I don't think the, the tables have totally flipped in the AFC South. And the Titans could, you know, really close that gap. There's a couple of positions in need that, that they should address at some point in this draft. Offensive line, wide receiver. I think that there's a way for the Titans to come out of this draft and really still feel like, that the AFC South is theirs for the taking. What do you think about that? Yeah, no, I think you and I see eye to eye on this a hundred percent. And I look, yes, we are, uh, <laughs> we are. And let me get, let me get the, uh, the expression completely right. I want to pay homage to it. We are loyal Titans fanboy podcasters, Jack. We are the homers of the homer, but I, I, I don't think you're wrong there. I think, I think we have seen more to placate to our take than we have seen of the latter where look, I think you ask 32 NFL teams. No one's going to say, Oh, next year's a wash, especially in the NFL. The NFL is the, the one sport in football where you can go from last place to winning a super bowl in one year. Am I saying the Titans are going to win a super bowl? No, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying, I don't think that next year is a wash. We're going to next season is going to be a year where we can, you know, okay, well, we're playing for 2024 next year is like, whatever happens, happens. Like I think legitimately within the building, I think they firmly believe that they are only a few positions away from having a really solid team, a team that can compete. And I, I mean, if you think about it, okay, the wide receiver room is bad. And like, that's, I think one of the reasons why we don't have any confidence in this team to do much because this offense, you know, they had a rough offense last year with a, horrendous offensive coordinator it's not but just they, bad either it's the worst in the nfl by like a yeah, good margin right right and and it's a large part yeah yeah it's the it's the worst off like the worst wide receiver room in the league but if you throw in a couple of maybe like a maybe a veteran presence like like a guy like a robert woods or someone like that <laughs> yeah. but but then you pair it with like a young rookie mm -hmm. first rounder second rounder maybe I think that that you have a totally different outlook on not just that wide receiver room, but on the entire offense, because you still got Chig coming back, who showed you he was one of the best 
rookie tight ends in the sport last year and a, a, a huge weapon on offense. You Derrick Henry, who is the best running back in the league. If you don't agree with me, you have to agree. He's at least second best. You've got uh, you've you've got Ryan Tannehill, who can and has won many games for this team. Uh, Thirty plus, almost forty wins in in what three years? He's been two durable and a half years as, as well. Very durable until last season. Yeah, where you yeah. know, I mean, he sprained both ankles. Just, I mean, the, it was impossible to not get hurt behind that offensive line, though. I mean, and it was that's, it was a matter of just time. Pa- then you just patch up that offensive line, which I think I, as we stand right now, I am more confident in this patchwork offensive line that they have put together through free agency than I am on last year's, whatever the hell that was, that, that slop of oatmeal Ugh. spilled on the cafeteria floor called an offensive line. That's literally what it was. It was just like, okay, we're just going to step over and around whatever this is on the floor and go sack your quarterback. That was the Titans offensive line. So, I think that if you can just find a way to get some offensive weapons and then maybe lock up maybe one more offensive lineman, I think, boom, you're you're kind of set because we know this defense is good. We know the defense is is going to be solid. And the, with Harold Landry coming back to a, a defensive front that is already arguably one of the top in the in the league. How how can you not be confident going into next year? And I'm not saying AFC South titles like favorites, but they will definitely compete, will they not? No, absolutely. They're in the conversation. I I I do, while you know odds makers and talking heads around the league really kind of like to shade the Titans and not really give them their you know credit. Which uh, and, and sometimes also, there's reason. Sometimes there's plenty of reason to do that. Sure, but that like when when the Titans are underestimated, that also kind of plays into the Titans' favor. Like that's when the Titans play at their best. It's, but no, it's, no team around the league is like going to see the Titans on their schedule and be like, oh, yep, win easy. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. You don't. The Titans are pesky. I, I mean, they're they're going to give you a run no matter how bad that roster is. Just that's just the way Vrabel coaches them. Right. But let's stick with the, the the wide receiver thing because if the Titans don't trade up and get a quarterback, yeah. You can really fix a problem out wide. You've got Kyle Phillips, who kind of serves as a seventh draft pick this season. You're gonna get you're gonna get a real look at him. Um, it's they're not that. You mentioned the defense. I mean, that secondary if they stay healthy. You've got Aziz Alshair in the middle of the defense now as a linebacker that you really trust. Um, R.I.P. David Long. He's not dead. He's just resting peacefully. Yeah, it's, in Miami, South Beach. It, you're not that far away from being, you know, a playoff caliber team. And with the extra playoff, the extra wild card slot, I mean, the, the Titans are very much in the conversation there. Now, I, a lot of people are, are, you know, down that sour taste in their mouth from the losing streak last season and how it ended. You know, there's reasons to be pessimistic, but I just think with a, with a fresh start, assuming everyone stays healthy for a decent chunk of the season, which is a big assumption. I know that. I just I, I I'm not yet ready to say you know what it's the Jags the Jags run the South now it's it's we we're, it's a new chapter in the AFC South and it's owned by the Jacksonville Jaguars I'm I'm still not there yet yeah it's and it's important to it's important to note that look I I understand where where we're at as a fan base and as a franchise uh, based off of what came off the I mean this team hasn't won a game since Thursday night in Green Bay in week what 11 12 they've lost seven straight it is they're not in a good spot but you got to think like for them to lose 
the division last year. The, for the Jaguars to win, the Titans had to have a historic meltdown. And they were a, they were a you know a kind of really a sack fumble review exactly away from from taking taking the south even even in that loss even in that like or like even to lose that even within the, amidst that historic collapse in the final game of that historic collapse they needed like a miracle play that honestly should have been reviewed or at least reviewed for longer because we could debate whether or not that was a sack or a fumble and uh or, or a fumble or, or an incomplete pass i that is that that's it took that much for the Jaguars just to win the division. Okay. And then, you know, we were like, okay, well, yeah, well, the, the Jaguars got really hot. Maybe the Jaguars are sh showed their true colors with how hot they are. Keep in mind. And look, I, all the respect in the world for Doug Peterson. I think he's a tremendous coach and I would be extremely confident if I was a Jaguars fan as they should be. But G even Doug Peterson, a guy who won the Super Bowl with the Philadelphia Eagles with Carson Wentz for most of the season. And then Nick Foles through the playoff run won a Super Bowl. Very impressive. The very next year, followed it up with nine and seven. So it, to say that the Jaguars are going to be automatically this dominant force, I mean, you had guys like Evan Ingram like playing out of their minds with the Jaguars. To say that they're, it's just automatically assumed they're going to win the AFC South, I mean, that's a little much. I mean, it, like... You're not wrong. It, it, they probably have the best roster. But that, I mean, it's still, you know, I, I still think it's it's a conversation. I, I still and, well, think and that we're having that that discussion. Where are the position groups that the Titans are lacking to reclaim that? It's really receiver. just offensive offensive line and wide receiver, and is it not? Line. Exactly. Yeah. Because, I mean, like, everywhere on the defense, I, I feel extremely confident in. And then on the offensive side of the football, I'm confident in the tight end. I'm confident in the running back. I'm con I'm confident more than most I know than in, in the quarterback, but the I quarterback think quarterback can win you a division. We know that he's done the that quarterback. The quarterback times. has done that. Yeah. More times than he's lost the division. <laughs> and even, even in the year he lost the division, it was because he literally, he physically could not play. So I, I don't know. I just, I feel like this is, if, if I'm the Titans, I go into Thursday night thinking just that. Like, yeah, sure, we could go up and get a quarterback. We could play for the future. But why would we not make a run for it right now? You know, I, I didn't really feel awesome about this draft until today. I don't know why. Maybe it's just because we get together on Tuesday. We talk to Mike Herndon, kind of talk things out, go through a little therapy session. And I come out on the better side of this. And Herndon really get, kind of gives you a glimpse of some of the dudes the Titans could end up finding in this draft. But I think the Titans are in an excellent position. If you go quarterback, you set yourself up for the future. You set yourself up for the next three years. Once you move into that new stadium, you're going to have a guy who's been there and done that for a couple of seasons. Maybe he learns behind Tannehill um, in year one. And once the Titans yeah. either, um, you, you know, that offensive line kills Tannehill again, or they just fall out of contention and are eliminated from the playoffs, then you get to roll with whichever quarterback they take for the last three or four games. Or... You go ahead and build around the few. You build around this mystery quarterback that'll come in at some time once Tannehill leaves. You find an offensive lineman. You find a great receiver. You've got all this money coming up in free agency once that Tannehill contract goes away. So it's a really a win-win. Whether that means winning the division now or 
becoming AFC contenders once again in two, three, four years from now and kind of reopening that window, that that Super Bowl window. I, I know that you need to see a lot from the quarterback, whoever it is. But I, I just I just feel like they can't mess this up unless they we're only a year removed from arguably the first day one draft for the Titans in arguably franchise history. But like if you just if, if you keep your assets, if you keep Bayard, you keep Henry, you keep Tannehill. I just don't think that there's a way that they can really mess this up. Yeah, unless yeah. they sell the future and go get a, a quarterback that doesn't work out, which and, is a possibility. Keep in mind, and correct me if I'm wrong, but in that 2012 Super Bowl, when the Ravens beat the 49ers, the Ravens were they had a lot of guys on that team that were kind of in their latter years of their career. I mean, it's like Flacco's but, last good season. You you had well yeah Flack yeah exactly I didn't even think about Flacco but yeah you had Flacco you had Ray Lewis Ed Reed guys like that that were kind of on the they were on the back half of their career some of which were on the final seasons of their career remember the uh, freaking deer antler spray oh yeah limo with Ray Lewis because like that dude was literally falling to pieces but they got the job done there's no there's no like like veteran presence like we're so quick to turn the the chapter we're so quick to to mortgage the present for the potential of a future in the nfl right now everyone on that roster has showed you they could still play when Tannehill started the season this was a seven and three team then you know he gets banged up the team gets banged up and you know the wheels fall off but you had you you've got derrick henry rushes for 1500 yards last year behind a porous offensive line, the second leading rusher in the NFL behind an offensive line that was literally, it was oatmeal puke on the cafeteria floor. And to go and, even further, they were using backup quarterbacks where, I mean, it was blatantly obvious that Henry was getting the ball for the last half of the season. <laughs> right, right, right. And Kevin Byard, who is a guy who has held back that that secondary, like arguably, the, the, this was a team that was, only 500 for an offense that couldn't score more than 24 points in a game. That was a pretty good defense last year. Pretty, pretty good. So to say... And it was held together by sticks and mud. Yeah. And and Kevin Byard is the glue that keeps that defense together. He's the, he's the leadership. He is, he is everything. Even even if he, if the, the stat sheet doesn't prove it, we know the kind of impact that Kevin Byard has. And his value actually, is not just on the field, you know? Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's in the locker room. He's been here. He's seen the franchise kind of turn from, you know, a, a basement dweller to a perennial contender. He he knows how to lead this. He leads by example. He shows up in the offseason. He works hard. I mean, he's got a young, or he, you know, the secondary is getting older, but I mean, he, he's really... He's seen the uh, change of the guard in that secondary, and, yeah. he, and he's been the one to keep it together. And look, it was a bad pass defense last year. You can't ignore that. But I mean, if you just get healthier, if you keep somebody, if Christian Fulton can not tear a soft tissue muscle, um, you know, if Amani Hooker stays on the field for all seventeen, if Byard stays healthy, I mean, you, you've really got. If Elijah Molden comes back and has another promising season, I mean, there, there's a lot to like back there. It's 
it's tough to be confident in saying that, oh, yeah, the Titans are definitely in the playoff conversation right now because they've got a lot to prove. But this draft class can go a long way. I mean, the receiver position, you can get a good receiver in the second round. And I know a lot of Tennessee guys listen to this. I mean, Cedric Tillman makes sense in the second or third round. Like, you can get a guy like that who can jump in immediately and help the Titans. You can you can probably find an offensive lineman to help you in the second round. That's yeah. all if you go quarterback in the first round. There's still plenty of great talents in the first round that you could take at the wide receiver or offensive line position that jump in and not only help you this season, but, I mean, are, are then a cornerstone for the next four seasons. Yeah. I just don't think this team is as far away from competing as a lot of people feel. And I, and I, I truly believe that they feel that way within that building as well. I think they, they know that I think they're confident in themselves and I think they're confident in what they're going to do and what they've already done. I mean, like you bring in guys like Sean Murphy, Sean Murphy bunting. And I mean, to, to round up that, uh, that secondary into Super Bowl champ. Yeah. And let's not forget like Roger McCreary, it's going to be better next year. And he was also, he was very good as a, as a, as a rookie Great last point. year. I left him out. He's, I mean, I think that the sky is his ceiling. I'm excited for him. I think he is going to be, he's going to make waves next season. So it is, look, I, 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 I just hope that the Titans, I don't, I, I think you're right. I don't think there's a, I don't think there's much that they can do to screw this up. Uh, albeit that uh, you know trading I, I i swear i don't want them to trade a, a one of the veteran stars i don't want them to make a derrick henry trade and with Rand carthen meeting with the with the press on this week you know he said he did not receive phone calls on derrick henry it's not to say he didn't make any but i also I, like i just don't think <laughs> I, I i don't believe that a hundred percent you know i feel like again it's smokescreen season uh john robinson just last year said they're they're looking to get a deal done with AJ Brown. Look what happened. So you can't believe literally anything you read or hear in these until Thursday night, until those draft chimes make their way onto our TV. But I just feel like the Titans are cl- are closer than the experts think. Jack, you said it last year during the the during the Titans free fall in the standings. You said you said the 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 metaphor. It's like a it's like a rear view mirror. Look, the Jaguars are in the Titans rear view mirror and and objects in mirror closer than they appear. OK, they're not, you know, but I love that analogy. I feel like it's that way for the Titans right now. OK, OK, I think they're I think ex- except for like it's not it's not a mirage. It's not that they just appear closer than they than they actually are. I think they legitimately are closer than we actually think with in terms of just getting back to competing in the AFC South and getting that AFC South crown, getting into the playoffs. And then it's anything can happen from there. And even though the Jaguars beat them last season, I mean, that doesn't mean that the Titans haven't completely dominated and owned them for the past decade plus. Like there's still a mental edge. I believe that the Titans have over Jacksonville. Um, and you know, back to the back to the win-win situation in the draft. Like, even if you go quarterback, it's the right idea. If you go wide receiver, I mean, you're filling a need. If you go offensive line, you're filling a need. If you even go edge rusher, sure, you can't ever have too many pass rushers. We know that as Titans fans. So, the only way you you mess this up is by trading one of those three guys, Henry, 
fired in Tannehill. And, and Carthon said on the Henry thing, he shut down. He said, we haven't received any calls. He also said, you know, we were also apparently trading Jeffrey Simmons at one at one point, And during that entire time, they were negotiating a deal. So yeah. he, he made yeah. it a point to say, don't believe anything you hear if it doesn't come from him, Mike, or Amy. Yeah, the big he, three. I mean, he also ran Carthon. I mean, to his credit, like also did not say we're not trading Derrick Henry or we're not going to trade Derrick Henry. He I mean, didn't say the, that. He just his, said, he just, he told the story about the old lady coming up to him and saying, you better not trade Derrick. Like he shared that story, but he never said blatantly, we're not trading Derrick. So like, no. he's kind of brilliant in that way of like keeping it like, Oh, on the table and saying like, I never said I wasn't going to Well, also kind of appeasing the Titans fan base. Yeah, exactly. Kind of putting everyone on uh, that's on edge at rest. But I mean, and again, I don't think he would be doing his job if he wasn't fielding calls, if he wasn't at least as seeing what he could get for Derek. But it's a different it's the big difference in fielding calls and then actually training him, which I'm hoping they don't do. But again, last year showed me you got to keep your head on a swivel. Anything can happen. It is it is ridiculous. The movie Draft Day also showed me that, but that movie was about the Browns, so I didn't really take it to heart. Last year <laughs> truly showed me that anything can happen on Draft Day. But in honor of the draft, let's get to our guy, Mike Kernan. We're going to talk a lot about it with him. But before we do, let's first get a word from our friends at BetMGM. Enjoy all of your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code A to Z Sports and receive up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, player props, draft props for those interested, and daily boosted odds specials. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Find out why BetMGM is the king of sportsbooks. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Tennessee only. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. First online real money wager only. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire seven days from issuance. For problem gambling support, call the Tennessee Red Line at 800-889-9789. And now I got the mic. It's draft week, which means one thing for us. It's drug week. So we are bringing on the biggest drug dealer we know. Mr. Mike Herndon and look, Mike, we know that you say sell regular drugs on, on, or you sell drugs on the regular, but, um, but you also sell a new form of drug. And that is essentially the drug of the draft. It is any content, any Intel you need, you'll be in the back alley, scratching your neck being like, Hey, you want some draft content? I got you covered. My man, have you had a chance to even sleep this week? What what is sleep? Um, I yeah, <laughs> just existing on on hopium at this point. Um, and as you know, Nashville's foremost hopium dealer. I uh, you know, I always flush with supply. So okay, okay. So um, I guess I guess we'll we'll start here. Who are the Titans taking at number eleven? <laughs> <laughs> um, that is a great question. Uh, I. 
I think your question supposes that they'll be picking at 11, and I don't think that's where they'll pick. So, oh, 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 hey, okay. <laughs> All right. Look, you're working at paulkarski.com now. I feel like, you know, this is, I feel like, you know, you've got, you've got sources like you, you've been hearing rumblings and murmurs and whispers and all of the like, are they going to trade up? Is that what you're, is that what you're hinting at? Is that possible? I, I still, my gut tells me they end up trading up. I, I do think so. I, I think, and maybe there's some misdirection going on here. I think they've been in on CJ Stroud from the very, very jump. And if he does fall outside of the top two, I think they start to try to go up and get him. And that ultimately is what I think happens. It's it's what I hope happens as well. Um, so maybe maybe that's uh, that's my optimistic side trying to to sneak in there and make me believe something. But um, I really do just my gut feeling after reading all the tea leaves and seeing everything that's been out there. I think they want Stroud, and I think they'll try to go get him. Well, how high up do you think that they'll have to go get Stroud? Because it, it seems like his stock has been falling over the last month. I mean, the S2 scores, I don't know how much stock you put into that. But, I mean, he tested horrendously. Um, Rand Carthon said that that's not the end-all, be-all when he goes to evaluate quarterbacks. But surely, surely it's factored in, especially after Purdy um, knocked it out of the park last year and jumps in and does what he does um, kind of as a third string down there. Do you think that they have to move up to three to get Stroud? I'm not totally sure about three. So, and in, in on the S2 thing, I, I do think, so the S2 guys have been doing a uh, a marvelous job of PR out here in the last few weeks because they, uh, Brandon Alley, one of the founders of S2, has gone on multiple radio hits now um, and said basically that some of the scores that are being reported are not correct. Um, and oh. That is that it's the first test and they've subsequently tested again and gotten a higher score later or that it's been uh, that they reported one category of a test and not the entire composite score or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Basically, he is even saying take some of this, these scores out here with a grain of salt. Now, now, it doesn't mean that that necessarily means that Stroud's score that's been reported is inaccurate, but just that there are some inaccuracies with the reporting around these schools, which teams are obviously guarding because basically they contract with half the league and uh, half the league gets all of the data that they provide um, and insights into their testings, things like that. Um, The Titans were one of those teams in that half of the league. So they would know obviously, but I don't know that Stroud's number is really as bad as that 18% number that Bob McGinn got from a, a source in the scouting side of things. Well, hopefully this not. S- and the, the S2, the, the Titans should have access to all of the correct scores because, I mean, right. this thing was invented in their backyard. A couple of Vandy yeah. guys came up with this thing, and I, I think that Vanderbilt baseball and maybe LSU football have really kind of taken it on as something that they really look at. I know it's big in baseball with, like, pitch, pitch recognition. Yeah. But, I mean, so what? what what's – just for people who may not have, like, a surface-level understanding – what, what's uh, so my, my, my hand my hand my hand is raised when you say that what 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 do these what, what are these clubs really looking for in it and how does this thing determine whether or not a quarterback can i mean whether it's make quick decisions on a fly read a defense um recognize personnel i mean what does this really you, you know I, I guess accomplish when you're trying to evaluate these scores so it's super interesting right so i actually talked to one of the founders um about it and and 
it's fascinating and, and it totally makes sense right so the baseball analogy is a good one for everyone to kind of understand you know what separates a guy being able to to you know hit a fastball or hit a curveball or whatever a lot of time comes down to how quick can you actually perceive what that pitch is and and how quick can you react to that and those aren't necessarily learned things right those are things that are, are more and you can learn you can improve a little bit but a lot of that is just hardwired like what how quick is that uh pathway from your eyeballs to your brain to your body reacting right like how fast does that mechanic happen and it doesn't happen the same for all people um so it, the i think the biggest thing to mention about s2 is that it's not necessarily it's definitely not an intelligence test right like and i know mm-hmm. the like is the, you know they kind of the, the gateway drug to s2 right <laughs> uh, it's, you know, drug thing yeah is is the wonder <laughs> like the s1 is that what yeah it's the s1 uh okay but so the one also also it's not lost on us mike herndon talking about gateway drugs you know <laughs> right. if anyone knows it's you the wonder oh. the wonder looks a scheduled one drug the exactly. s2 the s2 carries a bit a bit more jail time yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah mike herndon's like look look if you if wonder <laughs> if wonder looks your your speed man i got you covered but hey i got some good stuff right here <laughs> so baby so much faster <laughs> And and it is so, and it is kind of that way, right? Like the wonder, like they were trying to figure out, like how much can these guys digest? Like how good are you at pattern recognition? These kind of things, which again is not really intelligence. Like it often gets put in as like shorthand for intelligence, but it's not. Um, and the S two is even further removed from that. The S two is really trying to measure, like, and they literally do these these tests and they build it and they put in, you know, a virtual, uh, you know, virtual reality headset. And they're looking at, and the players have to keep track of 22 objects or 21, I guess, objects on a screen because that's the number of other players that are on a football field at at a given time. And they're supposed to be able to, you know, look at and recognize how, which, which shape does not have like a point on it or something like that, but they're supposed to be able to like look at these things and it's measuring how fast their eyes move to these things. So it's not even like something that is, they can consciously be thinking about, oh, I need to do this. It is subconscious level stuff that they're measuring and they're measuring it down to like two one hundredths of a second mm-hmm. uh, accuracy. So it's the idea is that it's supposed to be trying to measure kind of what that it factor is like the thing that makes, you know, Patrick Mahomes, who doesn't necessarily have like the greatest arm in the world. Like, sure, he has a great arm. Um, he does all this other stuff at an amazing level. And what is it about him that makes him special? Not not, you know. Because it's not just the guy that can throw it the hardest. It's not the guy that who can throw it the farthest. It's not the the smartest guy who gets the best ACT score. Like, there's some it factor, and that's ultimately what S2 is trying to figure out. Like, what is that it factor? And that's why they have these multiple tests and the different categories and things like that. So it's not all just that one test I described. There's other levels to this. But um, it's really interesting stuff. And even down to the, the idea that, and I don't know that I've seen this actually talked about elsewhere, but when I talked to them, they mentioned Justin Jefferson and you mentioned LSU football was, was kind of one of the founding things. So Justin Jefferson apparently is a freak by all S2 metrics. Um, and that is something that, you know, of course, Justin Jefferson's been retconned into this like guy that uh, was a can't miss prospect. He was very clearly like wide receiver four in that draft, right? Like nobody, and he ended up getting taken, I think fifth out of the wide receivers in that class, but nobody had him in that top group, even though he's clearly turned out to be the best of that class. Well, 
S2 says that it's because, well, he is a freak when it comes to even just being able to, to react and, and adjust to a football because he sees it. He can perceive like where that football is going faster than like pretty much 99% of the earth. And they even measure stuff like eye dominance. And so they would LSU during that like big run that they had in 2019, they, they were using guys on different sides of the formation based on which eye was dominant because they could see a pass. If they were running an in-breaking route, they could see the pass better if he sees it with his left eye, you know, being closest to the quarterback versus his right. So that's the kind of level of really cool that they're getting. It's super interesting stuff, really fascinating, but they were using that data to inform how they actually built their offense. And that's the kind of level that you can take this stuff to. Um, So that to get like, I hope that gives a better picture of like what S2 actually is rather than like, these guys are really smart. These guys are really dumb. You know, it's just, it's really not that at all. So basically they just developed another test that Vince Young would probably fail. <laughs> probably. I mean, unless it measures like, you know, ability to spend a TGI Fridays. You know, <laughs> Cheesecake factory. Off the yeah. chart, you know? Okay. All right. I well, don't know you if know that's what? One of the S2 tests. It could be. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, you can keep your S2 uh, scores. Okay, Vince Young will keep his S-T-E-A-K <laughs> house. How about that? All right? That's right. Hey, Vince Young's steakhouse, I will speak to, is the truth. It is really good. Vince Young's <laughs> S2 was calculating 20% on a $10,000 tab at Cheesecake Factory. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> Move the desk. Oh, my roll. gosh. Well, so, so if, if – well, go ahead, Jack. Go uh, ahead. Well, I was just going to say, you know, what – what is it about Stroud that you like more than, say, Anthony Richardson and Will Levis? And I know that, uh, you know, many fans or, you know, you know, many listeners are fans of SEC teams here. Yeah. Um, we've seen what Levis and Richardson did against Tennessee. We even saw what they did against Vandy. They both lost to Vandy. Um, just in big moments, these two really didn't have those, you know, for, that guy's a bona fide first round. That guy's a bona fide top 10 pick. They didn't have those type of games. But yeah. what is it about Stroud that you like more than than those two guys? And let yeah. me piggyback. Will will you be disappointed if if Stroud does not if like if Stroud isn't a Titan come Friday morning? I mean, I I, I won't lie. I'll be disappointed whenever he goes off the board if it's not to Tennessee. Like I I just I really like him as a player. I think he has a chance to be you know one of those top ten quarterbacks in the league that really actually makes a difference and isn't just like. You know, the, the Ryan Tannehill, Kirk Cousins class where it's like, yeah, they're pretty good, but like they're not taking you anywhere. I think Stroud has a chance to take a team somewhere and be, you know, a truck versus a trailer um, for his team. So to me, like Stroud, the thing I like about him most is his accuracy. And I think that's like one of those traits that it's almost impossible to develop. We obviously saw Josh Allen do it to some degree at the NFL level. You could say maybe Jalen Hurts has improved his accuracy as well, but uh, Stroud's accuracy is already off the charts. Like it is incredible what he does with his ball placement, his ability to, to throw guys open. And like, yes, I get it. He had phenomenal wide receivers. He had ultimately what will end up being, uh, I guess, three first round picks for or well, four first round picks for sure, because Marvin Harrison will be a first round pick. Um, and you know, there's even a chance like Julian Fleming and some of those guys, uh, and, um, I'm blanking on them. They're loaded. They're loaded at wide receiver. They got a ton of guys. So he had all those guys, but if you look at some of the advanced metrics that show like depth of target versus accuracy, 
you know, expected yards over expectation or the F word stats, uh, expectation. Yeah. All stats. <laughs> uh, those are by far Stroud leads, like not even close. And even when you start to factor in for, he had elite wide receivers, it's really hard to factor in that much of a gap. And this is Stroud above young Stroud above everybody in this class uh, when it comes to stuff like that. So to me, I've seen him run pro style concepts. I've seen him throw the ball with accuracy. I've seen him run an offense on time. Those are the things that like, I feel like contribute most to becoming a good NFL quarterback. Um, And I think he could step in right away and be a starter day one and be probably at least an average starter in the NFL day one quickly becoming, you know, one of those guys uh, that I talked about before. Okay. Well, that's, that's where, that's where, that's where I kind of get annoyed because I've always been, I, I feel like starting rookie quarterbacks week one of their NFL careers is, is always a recipe for disaster outside of the very few exceptions to the rule. The Andrew Lux, the, you know, Peyton Manning's, all of that. Possibly but even Trevor they, Wilson or Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, Trevor Lawrence as well. But even they, the, and Trevor Lawrence is thrown in this as well. All of them, they struggled in year one. They, they yeah. had. They didn't have a lot of success, and um, I'm Peyton Manning said the interceptions record his rookie year. So I feel like I is is this like something to where you want him? Obviously, you want him because you think he could be the future of the franchise. I guess what I'm asking is, if they go up and get C.J. Stroud, are you ready for the uh, the influx of tweets of any time? Ryan Tannehill turns his head sideways uh, or even just gets up weird. People are going to uh, just clamor for him to take a seat on the bench in lieu of this rookie quarterback. I, I actually would be ready for it in this case. I was okay. All right. Malik Willis uh, last year, just because I didn't feel like Malik Willis was ready. Um, but I feel like Shroud would be ready. So I, I would probably be one of those people saying, oh, my gosh. Yes. Because the Titans are going nowhere in 2023. I, I hate, like, I, you know, I'm not like a obsessively negative person, but this team is not winning anything of any consequence. Like they, the best thing that they could hope for is that like, maybe they squeak past the Jaguars to win the AFC South and then get, you know, pummeled in some uh, home playoff game against probably the Chargers or somebody like that. I just don't think they've got the talent. They've got probably the worst offensive line on paper in the league. They've got probably the worst wide receiver room on paper in the league that's just a really hard place to start from and end up like, okay, you're going to be in the playoffs and winning playoff games. Uh, that Those are two bad places to be bad at, especially when okay. you have like a difference making quarterback. Like I like Tannehill, but yeah. yeah. Then that leads me to my next question. If, if they're, they've got, you know, they've, and, and I don't disagree with you. I think they do. They have arguably the worst wide receiver room in the NFL. They have a really porous offensive line right now, or at least patchwork right now. Why would you not go there in the first round? Why would you go quarterback when you have a serviceable quarterback that can can win you some games and yeah. that can do very well is definitely in the top half of the NFL in, in terms of quarterbacks roll the dice with a rookie um, when it's not necessarily a position of need and you could address the quarterback position in free agency next season, a la the New York Jets did with. Aaron Rodgers, and let's face it, Tom Brady's probably coming out of retirement next year. You know, you could get a 49-year-old <laughs> Tom Brady probably on the cheap. I, You know, I'm just thinking out loud here, but 
why would the Titans not do that as and just go right for like and literally it I mean because it's going to take assets trade assets to move up to get a rookie quarterback to me the answer to that is that I believe Stroud to be one of the probably five best quarterback prospects to come out in the last okay I think I think you're losing your uh, mind right now say that again the the past how many years like five or six years like uh, recent history I, I think he's one of the five best prospects now look we can't sit here and say like Patrick Mahomes, you know, clearly turned out to be awesome. Like, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but as a prospect, as a prospect coming out of Texas tech, everyone was like, well, he's never played for a winner. You know, he's got this. Right. Like, right. No, CJ Stroud right now is definitely a higher yeah. prospect than Patrick Mahomes yes. was coming yes. out. Yeah. Mahomes probably had more so, in common with like Levis coming out of college. So yeah, yeah, I, yeah I, I think so. So I think there's, I think you have to look at it, and I just think he's one of the best prospects to come out, and the opportunities for you to go get one of those guys is just going to be so rare. Like, I, I think, you know, sure, you could say, like, let's wait and see what happens with this draft class in 2024, which I think is going to be really good. I love Caleb Williams. I love Drake May. I think, you know, there's going to be a couple other guys probably emerge uh, that, that give you three or four quarterbacks that are, you know, viable first-round picks next year. I don't know that you're going to be able to get one better than Stroud next year unless it just breaks right again right like it's a rare situation that we had this year with the bears being uh getting the first overall pick they didn't they were already committed to their quarterback you know they i think if the likelihood that a team ends up with the first overall pick that does not say uh we're not taking any phone calls we're taking caleb williams next year is like almost zero i think the odds of that happening are almost zero because there's probably like maybe 10 quarterbacks in the whole league that a team wouldn't be like uh yeah i think i'd rather have caleb williams um so i just think your your chances you've got a chance to go get him theoretically if the if he does fall a little bit and gets into a range where you're comfortable trading up to go get him you've got a chance to go get him now go get him now like you can you can go get your left tackle in free agency next year you're gonna have a hundred million dollars right to work with. So if, if Andre Diller doesn't work out or you need to go get a left guard or you need to go sign a wide receiver, trade for a wide receiver, whatever you need to do, you can work that out later. Go get the guy. If you think he's the guy, go get the guy right now. Yeah. Trade for like a Julio Jones or somebody. I mean, it, yeah. the <laughs> options are really endless. Sure. But, uh, so if they do go quarterback in the first round, which what you would say is probably the most likely right now. I don't know if I'd say my, I really feel like they've done a good job of like baffling me a little bit. And yeah. that I would believe, I would believe quarterback. I would believe wide receiver. I would believe offensive line. Um, I would even Bajan Robinson, uh, edge rusher. I, I wouldn't believe Bajan unless, unless they were trading, uh, Derrick Henry. I think. B- and, be, yeah. And yeah. But you love, much. you love him. I do love Bijan. Unbelievable. I actually think I, I, I think they could draft Roshan Johnson in the uh, in the you know third round or so if they if they wanted to move off of Henry. I would actually love to have Roshan on this team because I think Roshan's going to be a badass too. Well, so let's say that they do go quarterback first round. That leaves them still with the same problem at wide receiver, the same problems yeah. on the offensive line. Who is uh, who is a guy that maybe can come in and help this wide receiver room that they could find in the second round? I absolutely love Marvin Mims. Um, I don't know. I think Zay Flowers probably goes in round one, but I like him a lot too. But Marvin Mims, it seems to me like he's going to be there at 41. He'll, he may even be there at 72 based on like where he's going in all these mock drafts. Although I, 
I just cannot believe for the life of me that he's actually going to go as late as is like 70 something in, in my opinion. Like, I just don't see it. But um, Mims, I think, is great. Like, gives you the deep ball ability, you know, sub 4-4 guy, adds the speed element that they're looking for, was wildly productive with a terrible quarterback situation last year for Oklahoma. Um, and then uh, other guys that I like, um, you know, Jonathan Mingo, I know he's a popular name out there for Columbus a lot of Rebel. And uh, yeah, looks like AJ Brown, kind of plays like AJ Brown, like gonna go get drafted in the same range as AJ Brown, probably. Um, I like him. I really do think like there's a lot of similarities there. I don't think he'll be a, quite as good, but I could see him being a really nice compliment to Traylon Burks, right? Like that's what you're ultimately looking for is who goes with Traylon Burks and can give you a one two punch. And I don't care whether it's, you know, Mingo's the one and Burks is the two or Burks is the one and Mingo's the two. You just need that one-two punch. You need two guys that can do a couple different things, complement each other well, and, and can give you some firepower offensively. So I do think there's going to be guys there at 41, maybe even 72, that can help them in the passing game. Yeah, I mean, no matter who's one and two, NWI has got to be three. Uh, that's 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 what we have to have. I mean, that's that's kind of well, yeah, three the with the, over the last few years. With the ultimate, like with the ultimate agreement that we all recognize, he's going to be one by season's end. You know, it's, <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah, it's year three yeah. that he he hits. You know, he really hits his stride, and we all know yeah. that. I mean, it happened in college. It you know took a till it's like what junior senior year till in Indiana for him to really break out. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the NWI breakout year. Always. <laughs> so my I'm, last, we're just saying. My last thing, Rand, we heard from Rand Carthon, uh, pre-draft press conference, and he said a lot of interesting things. He he squashed the Derrick Henry trade rumors, which I thought was absolutely necessary, and it seemed like he wanted to go even further to just bury those things. Um, but Robbie Boren, the Titans PR guy, was by him, and he used that as an excuse not to really go full throttle. Do you but, want a quick conspiracy theory on that? Yes, of course. Oh, here we go. Here we go. I, yes, let's go. I think that smoke has gotten out there so much. And I think the reason is that they actually did talk to teams about Derrick Henry. They didn't, they figured out that that they weren't going to get anything trade value wise back for him. And now they've decided that they're not going to trade him for as cheap as what teams were willing to give up. And they're trying to make it seem like it never happened at all so that they don't (laughs) run afoul of Derrick Henry or the fan base. But I mean, like how, I mean, how often, I mean, I feel like that's not, that's not as uh, like that that big of a conspiracy, right? I mean, I feel like yeah. them shopping Derrick Henry. I f- why wouldn't they? Like, I think they they should at least field calls and see what they like. You know, I think he was test the water. Lying about that in that <laughs> conference. I, I don't think there's any chance that he did not take a single call on Derrick Henry all offseason. Well, he said that he did not receive any calls. Well, now that true. means he could have put in a few himself. Yeah, that's true. That's so true. maybe he's using that little loophole, but. Tannehill and, and Byard. Uh, what do you say, Austin? Well, I was going to say. I mean, what? I mean, he very well possibly could have used a burner phone. And oh, that's true. If anyone knows about burner phones, it's our man, Mister Ozark himself, Mike Herndon. <laughs> or, or maybe Chad Brinker was making all the calls. Yeah, that's right. That's <laughs> right. Out there making the calls. The yeah. man behind the scenes. Um, hey, 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 hey! Keep your third eye open, people. <laughs> So Tannehill and Byard both have kind of been in and out of different trade rumors we've seen online. And Carthon said that he doesn't do business in public. So you're never really going to know until, you know, Goodell walks on that podium and say, there's been a trade. Um, But do you think that either of those guys get moved at any point in this draft? I mean, the the Byard thing, it it feels like they're still kind of far apart on 
this whole restructure situation. And Tannehill's got one more year on his deal. There's a couple teams where I could see him ending up, uh, San Francisco being one, Atlanta being another. Um, so do, do you think that either of those guys get moved? Um, I think I think there's a decent chance that like one of the three end up going somewhere during the draft is because I do think they want more picks. Like I, I think they have to find a way almost to get more picks in this draft. And I know like trading up obviously would take uh, some additional picks. Now you can put, make them out of future years and stuff like that probably. But um, still it's draft assets that are going out the door and you would need to recoup some of those. So um, now they could trade back from 11. If they you know end up not going quarterback, they could certainly move back from 11 and, and try to add some additional picks that way. But it makes some sense to me. Like, again, as a team that I just don't think is going to be a contender in 2023 that you've got and Hills on an expiring contract. Henry's on an expiring contract. Byard's contract isn't expiring, but it'll be very movable next offseason. So, um, and it expires the year after that. So, those guys are all, you know, Henry and Byard are basically 30 at this point. Uh, Tannehill's going to be 34. Like, what what are you doing with those guys this year if uh, if you're not planning on resigning them or extending them? So, um, I could certainly see them making the choice to move one of those guys for a pick in this year's draft and kind of consider like continue to escalate or, or um, I guess expedite the kind of changeover process, getting younger, faster, all that stuff that they've talked about all off season. So wouldn't surprise me if one left. I'm, I'm not sure which one. Uh, well, I was going to say of those three, which do you think is most likely to get moved? I, I'll be honest, despite his comments yesterday, I still think Henry. Uh, really? Oh, man, I would break um, down. I know, and it would, it would be crushing. Like, I I, I love Derrick Henry. I love watching him play, everything like that. I don't want him to be gone, but uh, on the same hand, like, again, like 30-year-old running back, are they going to re-sign him? Like, because to me, like, if you're not going to re-sign him, I mean, you're giving him one more year and, you know, maybe you hope he hits a couple personal milestones here. Like, you know, maybe he's able to get to 10,000 yards and that kind of thing. But I mean, that's like all sentimental stuff. Um, that's ultimately doesn't matter to Rand Carthon, right? Rand Carthon's going to be judged by what this team looks like in, you know, two, three years, not what it looks like right now or today or how many milestones Derrick Henry got uh, in his final year in Tennessee. Like I just, I think if the the road is coming to an end, it makes sense to move on from him now while you can still get something and not, you know, let him walk next offseason for nothing. Mike, you haven't said a damn thing on this podcast today that I have enjoyed hearing. I, <laughs> I, you say you, you, you talk about Derrick Henry though, like the end of the road is coming and yada, yada, yada. Like, you know, like he's like, we're, we're starting to see the tank break down. He's a guy, he's coming off a 1,500-yard season behind an offensive line that started a guy by the name of Dennis Daly at left tackle at your best <laughs> position. So why, I, is, is that really, like, like do, you, do you believe, like, do you fully believe that, like, Derrick Henry is on his way out the door? Like, this is the last we are going to see? And I, I get it, he's only got, you know, what, a year left on his contract. Yeah, but after that, why you, you don't think that they're going to get him back for a year, maybe two year contract after that? And if he holds no value, I mean, what's what 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 does it hurt to bring him back? Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I think 
you know, if if they truly can't get anything more than like a fourth round pick for him, then I, I think yeah, you probably don't want to piss off the fan base just for a, a you know day three pick. Um, but I do think we started to see the decline of Henry. Like I, I I think he was good last year. I think he was one of the better running backs in the NFL last year. I mean, but, he was the second leading rusher. Let's not right, let's right, not right. in let's sixteen not, games he, too. He also had a, a million carries. Um, well, but, I mean, regardless, I mean, he's getting the production at, at know, more so I, than any other back in the league. I, I, not I, named Josh Jacobs. I'm, I'm very like, I'm very pro Henry. I, I think he's still. A yeah, rookie. sure. Bajon Robinson he, out with the he, old he, and with the new. I just think Henry is like, we saw him get caught from behind more often last year, probably than we saw in any combination of seasons, you know, before this point, like, I think he lost a step. Uh, speed wise, as far as his top end speed, and ultimately, what Henry's superpower is is that he's not just like a freight train, but he's a freight train that runs away from you. Uh, you know, once he gets to the second level, and if he no longer is running away from guys at the second level, he's still a really good player, a really good back, but he's not like the special player that he was in 2019 and 2020 anymore. And I think that's, I mean, that's natural, like that happens to everybody, especially running backs approaching this this age and everything like that. And Look, the decline may be slower with Henry than it is for most guys uh, of his, you know, size and and ability and everything like that, simply because he is such a freak about the way he takes care of his body and his training and all that stuff. Maybe he's able to slow the decline, but the decline is happening. I think it's already started, and I think it'll continue to happen. So wherever, like, the point of diminishing returns gets to be, I don't know where that intersects with – like the path that we're on right now, right? And, and what if this team's window is 2024 to 2026 or whatever the like they see as their next opportunity to really like cycle this thing up? Um, I, you know, you got to see whether that fits with where he's actually going to be in his prime. And maybe they view it as like we can compete this year, and all we need is to throw Jackson Smith and Jigba in here with you know Traylon Burks and and get better pass blocking, and our offense will look a lot better. That, that may be true. I don't, I don't know. I'd, I would love to know how they view it internally because I think the draft will be really the first time we get a sense of that because free agency told us nothing in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was very short term. It was like all these, I mean, they're just, they're nothing as far as like the long-term future of what this franchise looks like. So yeah. I, it just feels like, it feels like, like that, uh, when it comes to like us talking about Derrick Henry and like, and I get it. Like we, we watched Derrick Henry. We, we watched every single one of his games and, he was, you know, the greatest back in the league for so long. And you could argue that he, you know, he's still up there at, at yeah. very least, well, if not still, still like the best two or three, if not the best. Yeah. I yeah. And it, it feels like the, uh, it feels like the Lewis CK bit of uh, complaining about your Wi-Fi going out on your flight, you know, like, oh, this damn, uh, this freaking Wi-Fi is out on my flight right now. And he's like, Open up a window and look outside. You're flying thirty thousand feet in the air. You're it's the it's the mystery and the magic of fl- flight. You are taking flight and like you lose sight of that because like oh like oh like one area like is not you know up to par as to you know what what you what we've come to know it to be and we lose like we lose sight of the fact that we have literally. If at worst he's the second best running back in the league right now on this roster, and we're like, yeah, well, you know, everyone says that running backs have a shelf life, and he's yet to show that. Really. He's the I mean, one aside exception. From, aside from 
running only 20 miles per hour on breakaway <laughs> runs as opposed to 22. You know, like, I don't know. I just feel like it's it's one of those things where everyone tells us, oh, Ezekiel Elliott only had a shelf life of four years. You know, other, all these other great backs only had shelf lives of short times. So we expect that with Derrick Henry, forgetting the fact that he's literally a, a mega Zord in two-tone blue. I mean, look, and he very well may be the exception. I've been arguing that he is the exception for a while, but I do think, I think there's something to be said for if you want to take any hints away from free agency so far, they've gone out and got guys that are better at pass protecting than they are at run blocking, right? That Andre Dillard is a pass protector first, not a run blocker. Right. Um, I think the same goes for Brunskill. And my uh, podcast ho- co host, Zach, had a. Boo! Of all, the, of all the uh of all the offensive linemen that they'd met with or shown interest in and like all of them except for maybe one or two were if you look at pff grades better pass blockers than run blockers so sure. i think and then they're doing all this homework on the quarterbacks i think there's some hints out there that they want to take this thing in more of a um modern direction offensively which i know a lot of fans would love to see like finally throw the football and i mean I- look Derek can do that too i mean had the longest <laughs> uh reception of the season last year 69 yards people forget nice he, he can nice yeah he can i mean henry still could play within that offense but i don't know that he brings as much value to that offense as he does to the offense that the titans have run which has been completely henry centric um for the last you know three or four years now so I think there's a question of like where they're going offensively and whether that's still, you know, based around Derrick Henry or whether that's, you know, based around a quarterback to be named in two days. Mike, I know you've got stories to write and drugs to sell, but I do have one more question. And not necessarily in that order. (laughs) Damn right. (laughs) If the Titans do go quarterback, I feel like, I feel like we've kept you for way too long, but I got to ask if the Titans do go quarterback, what does that mean for Malik Willis? Does that mean that they put him on the practice squad and then, you know, he's he's up for grabs uh, for, for the other 31 teams in the league? Do they kind of admit that mistake? Because it's not Carthon's due. This isn't the guy that Carthon took in the third round. Yeah. So what, what do you think? What does this mean for Malik Willis? I mean, I, I think you could – I think you could see them – if they make the move for Stroud, I think Stroud's pretty pro-ready, and I think they'll view him that way. Uh, I could see them trying to move Tannehill and have the idea that maybe Malik is the backup to Stroud. Um, or the other option is you try to trade Malik Willis and see if like, is there a team that maybe had some interest in him last year that hasn't completely written him off based off of, you know, three games uh, and would still throw him a fourth round pick or something like that, or fifth round pick and get another like draft pick out of it. I, I could see them going that route. If they truly just given up and wash their hands and said like, look, this guy's going nowhere. I could see them trying to flip him for some sort of draft pick just to get him out of there and not have, uh, you know, any distraction or whatever. Um, not that I think Malik would be a distraction or that I really even think a third round pick still being on the roster is a distraction, but I could see them maybe just getting him out of there. Um, if they could get it, which they may not be able to full disclosure that i probably don't have to disclose just because uh we are on uh zoom and this isn't a video streamed podcast but jack just randomly dropped off i uh did you do something to drag you you sick drug dealing sop did you have put a hit out for him 
Maybe he's maybe he's just really angry with my Malik Willis. Uh, <laughs> he is a big Liberty guy, you know. Dak yeah. is he's a he was a big Jack hates any Titans quarterback. Uh, or on, the only Titans quarterback Jack hates is Ryan Tannehill. So if you speak ill of like anyone who has the ability to take his uh shot in the in the roster, the last thing I want to ask, and I know I'm sorry we're keeping you so long. Um, I apologize, but I. Can you just promise me this? Can you just promise me that if the Titans get CJ Stroud, okay? Yeah. Can you just be on, join me on team, let him sit for a year and learn. Let him sit for a year. Because you said it, you you said it multiple times, which I do want to get uh, your permission to uh, clip this if the Titans are still in the AFC South race in December, we're we're going to clip the hell out of this of you saying this <laughs> and freezing cold take your ass. But yeah. I I do. Can you just join me in that of like we got C J Stroud? Let's let him let's let let the keep the bun in the oven for a year and let it truly marinate until next season. Is that is that okay or am I asking too much? I, th- I think you're asking too much. Oh, come on. I, I, I If they take Stroud, I'm going to want to see him like right away. And, um, well, I just thought of something that maybe, maybe this is the reason to get rid of Willis. Who's going to have number seven? I mean, you got to ask Willis to give up that's seven. Good, that's a good question. That's a good um, question. Bring back. I, I think, I know, seriously, like, if Stroud is ready to go and they think he's ready to play and he's not like, you're not at risk of damaging him or anything like that psychologically by throwing him out there. I think you put him in there and let him go because if he's the future, get him, get him the lumps out of the way as quick as possible, get him the reps, get him learning and hope that you get like the second year lead. How many times have we seen that that be detrimental to a player though? You know, like I, I just, that that's what worries me. I, I feel like all of the best quarterbacks, the Aaron Rodgers, the Patrick Mahomes is the Tom Brady's like, Everyone, everyone that like ended up becoming truly great outside of a Manning sat for a year. And is that not, is that not a recipe? Cause you, they, they say that in the pros, you make your biggest jump from rookie year to, to sophomore season. Would you not want a guy who is, as you say, pro ready to just sit like and learn. And then like, if, if this is years of waste anyway, why not build up for, for 2024? I mean, it, I, I think you have to make him win the job, right? Like, if he if he beats out Tannehill, I think you let him play. But if he doesn't beat out Tannehill, you know, I, I think you risk alienating your roster if you throw out a guy that just because he's the, you know, rookie first-round pick, he gets yeah. the job over a guy who, you know, is clearly showing himself to be better uh, through camp. So I think you let whoever wins win. But um, ultimately, I, I don't think, like, I mean, guys like Joe Burrow, Guys like Josh Allen, um, you know, Justin Herbert, they all started right away. I mean, Justin Herbert had to get the help of a, a you know, stabby. Uh, yeah, I was going to say the doctor really helped him. Uh, uh, just a really <laughs> bad team doctor. But that's what you're hoping for. That's what you're hoping for is like, oh, hey, does Tannehill need any uh, any shots? You know, how's well, the is it medical COVID staff boosted? Is, you know, so so uh, prestigious and and renowned after like yeah right I was gonna say if anyone is gonna be is going to stab 
is going to puncture the lung of a starting quarterback. It would be this Titans medical staff who hasn't been able to keep a player on the field for two straight games for what feels like the last four seasons. Mike, last name I'm throwing out at this. Uh, a guy you want to you want a quarterback that's pro ready, and you're you're hyping CJ Stroud. Let me throw out another name, okay? A guy who we know is pro ready, who has shown us he is pro ready. Guy from the Houston Roughnecks, Cole McDonald. <laughs> yes, my boy. Huh? I mean, like, what? Why not? You know, I feel like you could probably get him on the cheap. You know, just the flying Hawaiian part two here, here in Nashville. Like maybe you know, this- I'm all for it. If not for nothing else than the the preseason, just like five touchdown, four interception. You know, second half. I'm I'm totally in on on Cole McDonald. Why not? Maybe Why not? maybe maybe this is the year he makes it through training camp. Maybe I mean, <laughs> cut him like with extreme prejudice. Like it was like in the middle of a week or something like that. They didn't have to make a cut. They were just like, nah, get out of here. <laughs> I, I don't know what happened there, but that was, there has to be a story behind that. The uh, just for the record, I'm gonna and uh, bef- as I, on your way out the door, I'm gonna let you know. Uh, I'm getting texts from Jack right now, galore. And I'm going to read these verbatim. I can't even get to my Gmail right now. If you can uh, scan rap with him, I don't even know what that means. Just him. Just go ahead. I'll have I'll have to get the last bit from your recording. Uh, it's converting my meeting right now. I'll restart my laptop right after. So Jack is not going to be able to join us to say farewell. Um, if that's a one of your henchmen. Uh, typing that from his phone, I'm going to find you. I'm going to go all Liam Neeson. I'm, I will find you. I will. I will. Uh, I will hunt you down. I will find you, and I will. I will murder you. So, uh, yeah. But um, I, I no comment. I, I cannot confirm nor deny whether one of my henchmen has arrived at Jack. <laughs> but I know you are a much more powerful uh, El Chapo than I am. So, look, <laughs> Mike. Thank you, seriously, so much for joining us on such a busy week. You are the man, and we always freaking love having you on this podcast. Um, whether you say stuff we agree with or not, I j- legitimately we we love you to death, man. And thank you for joining us and for all the work that you've done with paulkarski.com. If you guys aren't uh, checking out Mike Herndon, if you're not already following him, I don't know what you're doing as a Titans fan, but if you're not checking out the work that he's putting out, he's working his ass off doing some tremendous stuff. Go check it out. Uh, paulkarski.com. Is there anything specific that I'm missing that you want to plug? No, that's it. That's it. That covers it. Okay. Guys, thank you for having me on. All right. Is with if if Cork Bats is the number one Derrick Henry fan site on the internet, is are you turning paulkaharski.com into the number one CJ Stroud fan site on the internet? 100%. We're like 90% there already. I think uh, I think we're very close. All we just need is one pick and and me just like gushing for 10 minutes about him on the internet uh Thursday night and we'll be there. Yeah, you just got to get the trademark for it. It's it, you know, it's uh, you're wrapped up in the paperwork right now. All right, Mike, thank you, dude. All right, thanks man. There are no flags on the field. It's a miracle. Tennessee has pulled a miracle. Shout out to Mike Herndon. Uh, really do appreciate him uh, being able to hold down the fort when my co-host just inexplicably backs out and really has my back there. So I appreciate that. It's pretty bad when the drug dealing uh, CJ Stroud uh, enthusiast is more reliable than my very own 
Jack Gentry. I think Herndon's cartel hacked the mainframe there. Uh, the, I'm gonna are you okay? I guess I, I that's what I should. My first question should be, Jack, are you okay? Like, did they, did people, are you being held at, at knife point below the screen right now? No, 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 no. I don't like think Herndon twice. has that much pull. I think I think Herndon's strictly a mule. I, I I don't think he plays a big part in the operation. I don't he know. Just, he's not a he's not a mule. He, I think he's cartel leader. If anything, I think so. Yeah, I I, no. I, don't know. I just I just figured he assumes most of the liability without really reaping uh, a true reward. Sure, you know? sure. What happens yeah. when you get wrapped up with bad people? Oh man, it was weird that Mike Herndon that did that entire call from a riverboat casino in Southern Missouri. <laughs> yeah some the, short blonde girl with curly hair just kept walking up behind him i was wondering what was going on i don't know shit about shit marty <laughs> how great would it be if mike herndon just randomly is like oh by the way i'm marty herndon now <laughs> <laughs> marty bird burden now um all right the uh before we get out of here a couple of big things um aaron Rodgers, new york jet um, I've got a question for the class. Why in the hell are every talented and amazing quarterback coming over to the AFC? Why cannot one of them stay in the NFC? Like if I, it's like, it's like when the entire, like every talented player in the NBA was in the East. And I guess then eventually it made the shift out to the West where every talented player moved out to the West. But wh- like, why are we, why, why can we like, can the Titans petition to like change conferences? Can they go to the National Football Conference and get out of the American one? Because I swear it is it's just absurd. It is just getting more and more stacked. The the AFC is becoming the SEC in terms of disparity amongst the other conferences. It's it truly is crazy. Let's just go through like the best quarterbacks in each division in the NFC just to just to kind of really paint the picture of Yeah. Yeah, let's how, do this game. how it's you know pretty sweet over there right now. I mean, in the NFC South, you've got the Falcons, the Bucks. Um, help me out here. The Falcons, the Bucks, the Panthers, who are picking number one overall, and you've got the Saints. Who's the best quarterback in that division? Derek Carr. Uh yeah, yeah, okay. probably NFC West: Niners, Seahawks, Rams, Cardinals. Matthew Stafford, who was injured all last season. You got Geno Smith, Brock Purdy, Tyler Murray. And, and then you go to the north. Is it Kirk Cousins or Jared Goff? Hmm. Whoa, 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 whoa. What about what about my guy Justin Fields, huh? Oh, we'll see how he plays this year with with all the help he has around him. I mean, Jalen Hurts in the East, it pains me to say it. He's probably the best quarterback in the NFC. Dak Prescott, Danny Dimes. I mean, if Danny Dimes is getting like 40 million a year. What 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 in the hell's happening out here? The NFC East has no quarterback that really puts fear into my eyes, aside from Jalen Hurts, who, you know, I mean, running quarterbacks, it's hard to sustain that level of success that we saw from him last year, being in the MVP conversation, taking them to a Super Bowl. But he, you know, he's got a lot around him. I, I feel like he'll be one that sticks around for quite a while. But outside of him, I mean, you're talking about Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr, and uh, an aging Matt Stafford who can barely feel his elbow half the time. I, this just seems ridiculous, but it does put the pressure on the Titans to go out and find that new quarterback. Maybe they do it this year. Maybe they wait till next season, but you've got to have a guy in the AFC to, in order to contend. 
It's it's just truly absurd. It's it just like I don't know. It's very frustrating that now it's like, oh, okay, cool. And it, look, I don't think here's a hot take for you. You ready? I think the Jets are still going to suck next year. I mean, Rodgers how- had more to work with in Green Bay at a younger age and still couldn't get it done. I mean, now like he's in a better conference with less around him. I mean, really young people everywhere, even on the coaching staff. I mean, he's got to overcome Todd Downing. He's got to overcome Keith Carter. I mean, I, I just think it's a tougher situation. It's cold. It's cold up there. You got a lot of pressure yeah. on you. New York media. Yeah. If he thinks the media was bad, like if he thought like the media attention he got, and I mean, sure, it it, it was definitely exposed more with his weekly hits on McAfee. But like, if he thought the media attention and pressure that like he got for just his weird takes and just being a, you know, just being just out there as a human being, if he thought that was excruciating when he was the quarterback for the green Bay Packers, I mean, just imagine what it will be like when he is the freaking quarterback in New York. It's going to be unbearable. Uh, yeah, he's old so enough I, to handle it, but I mean, it's just isn't it ridiculous? I don't know. Just, I just I, I feel like there's a lot of there's so much hype with the Jets and I feel like I don't know. I, I could just very well see him. And what if he gets hurt? What if he gets hurt? And the Jets are right back in the same boat they were last year. If um and 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 that is one of the clauses in the deal for Aaron Rodgers is he has to play 60 percent or 65 percent of his snaps. And if he does, the Packers get a better draft pick. They get a first rounder instead of a second. Yeah, they get right. They get a first rounder in the deal. And first of all, the Packers don't sleep on what the Packers got back for Aaron Rodgers. My goodness. That was more than what I thought they would just because of how expensive that contract was. But Austin, let me ask you this. Mm -hmm. Do you think the Jets currently have one of the NFL's top 10 wide receiver rooms? They've got Garrett Wilson, Alan Lazard, Corey Davis. Corey Davis as a three is a lot better than Corey Davis as a one. Whether yeah, or not or Titans two, fans yeah. will admit that, yeah, but, yeah. But how do you how do you rank them? Kind of, it doesn't really on paper, yeah, and that's the, it doesn't that's seem the, like a top ten group. Even with Aaron Rodgers, I don't view the Jets as the best team in their division. I and you could argue they're not even the second best team in their division. Dolphins. Still, yeah. right? Like, I mean, like all I'm saying is I. There's this like groundswell that Aaron Rodgers and look, if Titans fans want to do this with Derrick Henry, why are we not doing it with Aaron Rodgers in the sense of at some point he's going to fall off a cliff like talent wise? I mean, did a little bit last year, regressed a little bit last year. You could argue there was there weren't many weapons and, you know, is it's the talent around him wasn't as good. And sure, he's in a much better situation with the Jets, but. I don't know. I just I, I'm not I'm not quick to buy in the Aaron Rodgers makes the Jets immediate contenders right away. Um, I mean, it's train. a tough I'm division not... when the Patriots, coached by the best football coach of all time, are the worst team in the division and still capable of sneaking into a wild card. I don't think anyone would be surprised if the Patriots made a run and won the AFC East. You know, like I, they're just you always have to give Bill Belichick that that credit with what he did for so long in new England, but, um, much like the Vrabel, Vrabel has earned that, that respect and that credit where 
even if going into this year where you're not expecting anything, or at least Mike Herndon's not expecting anything. What the hell was <laughs> up with that guy? I swear. First time ever. I don't agree with Mike Herndon. But you, I think Vrabel has earned that respect to where it's like, even if you it does in a year like this one, where it seems like they could be out of the running for this year, and this is just a throwaway year, Mike Vrabel's earned that credit. Be like, well, no, Mike Vrabel, anything can happen with a Mike Vrabel coach football team. So... Only time will tell, um, but yeah. Anyway, the it is uh, it is draft week. Draft week is coming up, and A to Z Sports, as always, has got some fantastic NFL draft coverage. If you're a Titans fan and you're looking for eccentric Titans coverage, where you're like, because you know the the talking heads are going to talk about the Titans draft pick for like all of eight minutes, and then they're going to move on to whatever the next draft pick is. The Titans will get the smallest shelf of coverage when it comes to their draft picks, unless they do something amazing. And even then, it's they'll be talked about probably very little. So if you want that Titans-eccentric coverage, Mr. Jack Gentry, why don't you tell our tuppers where to find it? It's going to be a fun week over at A to Z Sports. By the way, if you haven't checked out the new layout of the website, it's a pretty sweet Looks, look. Go ahead and do that. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. But for draft week, I'm going to be on the Titans draft show with Uncle Sam Phelan and Uncle Austin Stanley. We're going to give you live reactions. Um, we're going to go on probably a little bit before the Titans are scheduled to pick on Thursday night. We're going to be with you on Friday night for the second and third round as well. It's going to be exciting stuff. We're, we're, we're going to give you raw and unfiltered. Well, maybe a little filtered. Nobody wants to get fired on draft night. Um, coverage of the Titans draft. It's going to be fun. We, uh, you know, love when you guys participate, and um, I hope to see some of the tuppers in there. You never know what's going to happen. Last year was crazy. Austin and I both got to react to the Malik Willis pick um, oh and the A.J. Brown trade. It was, yeah. it was bizarre. So who knows what the Titans do this year? Definitely tune us in this weekend. It's going to be really fun. I can't wait. I'm I'm looking forward to it. So, yeah, so as always, follow ADZ Sports. And if you're not already, if you're like, if you've been following this podcast or been listening to us and you're not following ADZ Sports, it it should go hand in hand, you know? You can't have the sweet life of Cody, okay? <laughs> you got you got to have Zach in there as well, you know? I, <laughs> is it, it's Zach and Cody, right? I got yeah, that of course. Right? Yeah, Zach okay, and Cody I, I knew was, that was, that was the show, man. That I knew a, that was a reference you would get. That was some good I have stuff. to like, That's my yeah, I know it's your era. It, with your era, even your era, within your era, there's only a few morsels that I can pick from because... Oh, come on. It was a golden era of Disney Channel, Nickelodeon. The Wizards no. of Waverly Place, iCarly. What else is there? Uh, some smashing hits, though. Look, Brink and Smart House walked so the sweet life of Zach and Cody could walk, could I run. I know okay? what you're talking about. See, thank you. But there's some real ones, no. Um, this is about the point in the episode where we start making random uh references to pop culture. Follow Jack A. Gentry on Twitter. Uh and uh, trust me, especially on draft night, where you'll get some great reactions, you'll get some great memes, and uh and some great written content. Uh the stuff that he does for A to Z. Be busy. You can yeah, you can follow me on Twitter for some snarky uh, Titans remarks and comments <laughs> at uh, at Austin Huff on Twitter there. And of course, follow those podcasts at Tighten Up Pod at Tighten Up Podcast. We were looking for a thousand followers by draft night and baby, we got it. 1K by draft night. We did it, dude. 
We did it. Second year is the charm, no doubt about you know? it. Austin, we did it. We can't end the sode without addressing what happened in Chicago at Wrigley Field on Saturday. Can you can you at least give us a quick little synopsis or a little breakdown of of your Saturday rocking the Kim Mulkey ostrich fit? Because you went viral. Uh, oh, 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 that. I, I thought you were just talking about uh, talking about the game. Yeah, the Dodgers pulled out victorious over the Cubs. They uh, won three or four over the weekend series. Um, I, yeah, it, <laughs> I mean, if you don't know the story, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go through the story again. Uh, most of you should, and we talked about it last week on, on the show. So you can go back and listen to what last week sewed. um, or it's just been, I feel like it's been covered over almost too extensively on cork paths, but it is, um, I, I, I wore the jacket. It, it happened. And I got to just say this every single, single person who had a hand in making Saturday happen was absolutely phenomenal and was so on board and so cool starting with probably the coolest person I've ever met in the designer herself Martha Gottwald of Newburn just phenomenal she she flew in for the game along with Jennifer Roberts who was the director of player personnel and engagement uh or, or and and influence with LSU women's basketball team that's so cool i got to sit with them for a few innings during the game they are just awesome and uh martha was so on board and so enthusiastic and just a firecracker and i absolutely love her she's a best friend for life now and then i mean the freaking cubs the cubs were phenomenal their their social team was all on board from the the moment they heard about it and they were like coming to me with ideas like they were just so cool. Marquee Sports Network, the TV home for the Cubs, jumped in on it as well. They were all on board. They interviewed me during the game and um, posted some stuff to their socials. That was incredible. And then uh, like even as uh, as trivial as uh, Murphy's Bleachers, where we did some uh, pregame videos and we did some post postgame stuff there as well. Murphy's Bleachers was very accommodating and very awesome. Let us do stuff from their rooftop, which is not open to the public. So they let us do some stuff there. And then um, and then freaking um, uh, my my producer uh, here in uh, Chicago on my, the morning show, Melissa and Austin, US 99, the uh, Kyle Milnamo, who came out and he filmed stuff with me and was on board for everything. And he's a diehard Cubs fan, so it was super cool for him. That was awesome. And Shane Reardon from 670 The Score came out for a bit and helped. And it was just, it was literally, dude, I could not have gone better. And you know what? The virality of it, where it was everywhere, that's because everyone was so on board with it happening. And yeah, the idea of it was dumb and in theory, but it takes a groundswell. It takes 18,000 people to like a freaking tweet for it to become as big as it was. So it's never like... Yeah, like I'm the one who pressed send on the tweet, but it was because of so many people being on board and wanting this to happen and making it happen was why it was the success that it was. And it was so much fun and a day I'm not going to ever forget. And yeah. mainly mainly because the Internet's never going to let me. So that was really fun to watch. That whole day was really cool just to kind of see it all play out. Um, don't forget about little old us. Though now that you're big time, I don't want you. Not, but off. that no, this is just one of those passing in the wind things. People barely remember Jason Kidd's collar, let alone the jacket <laughs> thing that happened on 
on Saturday. So it's just, you know, it's just, it's just another reason why everyone should be following corked bats. What it was, was it was a massive wave that I caught on my, my, uh, surf board, my, my corked board. And I am, uh, I wrote it in to the beach and now it's, now I got to just paddle back out and find the next big wave to ride back into the, into the, uh, into the beach. Look, ADZ sports knows it. Like we, we've, we've had some things go viral here, uh, you know, with Austin and Zach and, and just like things that, you know, we've posted from, from our accounts for A to Z sports here. It, it's you, you, you catch a big wave, you ride it in, you, you let it ride out and then boom, it's right back into the water to try and find the next big wave to catch in. And, uh, and right and it's the grind never stops the grind never stops is basically what we're saying and sometimes it leads you to freaking wearing pink ostrich feather trimmed jackets to cubs games um all right well that's gonna do it for us this week uh look draft night it's almost here we're we're getting closer closer to actual football but this is always a nice little distraction on the path and then we hit the most barren parts of the desert the most barren parts of the wasteland that is the nfl offseason so we're going to band together let's have a great draft weekend let's not try and tear each other apart titans fans stay online. positive let's stay positive look everything is is good you can't win or lose the draft no matter what happens even Unless you trade Titans, Derrick Henry. Yeah, yeah, or, or A.J. Brown. Yeah, I guess there is a way you can lose. But look, most of the time, everyone's a winner. So, all right, let's get out of here. Follow the show. Give us uh, a rate, review, subscribe. Give us four and a half stars. Give .5 stars to Buck. And with all of that said, uh, and Jack, you don't have anything to the road, right? I already nope, you. we're good. Okay, okay. All right, with all of that said, until next week. Tighten, tighten up. up. They're the Tennessee Titans. They're the 